Welcome back to another episode of Two Words Four Quarters, a Harlequins podcast. My name is Michael, and as always, I'm sat here with my cousin Will. And this week, we are so lucky to be joined by Harlequins head coach Tabai Matson. Tabs, how are you, mate? No, really good. Well, it's a Sunday here in in, um, in the Surrey Hills, and we've had our first win of the season. And so, yes, yeah, sitting here very content. It was nice to see that actually on uh, on Saturday. Yeah. The boys went up to Newcastle yeah. and, and got the job done. But we've got so much to talk about. We've got so many things we want to ask you. Um, and I'm going to dive over to Will, who's got the first question. Yeah, so we've we've got a nice little agenda packed up for you, Tabs. And the first one's nice, nice and easy for you. We want to talk about you. So we want to talk about Tabai Matson. You've been with us just over a year now, um, but you've been all over the world as well. You've of course had experience playing and coaching in the likes of France, England, Japan, New Zealand, Australia, of course, Fiji. So how's London treating you? You've been in London a year now. You just mentioned the Surrey Hills, so just on the outskirts. But how how are you finding it? Like, it's amazing, isn't it? Like, it was such a uh, t- an honour to get this job, but also to move to one of the capitals of the world was was pretty phenomenal. And and I know we don't live in London, you know, um, Quinn's training base is down at Surrey University, and I live in one of the villages is about 15, 20 minutes away. And so, um, you know, it's, it's funny because a lot of people say that New Zealand is really beautiful, but I, I come here and I'm thinking, this country is stunning. And so yeah. it's a... It's a, it's a great part of the world to live in and, you know, coaching one of the best clubs. So, and, and I've, I've lived in lots of different places, but this is definitely one of the picks. Yeah. And of course, you're not new to England. You've coached at Bath in the past. So how does mm-hmm. London kind of compare to everywhere else you've been? It, it feels like a little bit of a, an anomaly in terms of the scale of it and, and almost more football teams to contend with. How does London compare as kind of a city, as a rugby culture to, to what you've experienced before? Yeah, I think you don't understand the scale of London until you actually come here and uh, and move here. And then, you know, things that I, I often ask um, are complicated because of London. Like actually last night we flew mm. into Heathrow having um, trained up to, to Newcastle. We flew back into Heathrow. You know, the baggage, is, the baggage is delayed by 90 minutes, two hours. And then we Night take man. a train across to the stoop and then you, 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 not a train, you bus across the stoop and then we uh, we drive home. So it's, the scale of this place is amazing, but I think that's the beauty. Probably one of the things that surprised me is just how many Quinns fans there are. That everywhere I go, there's Quinns people everywhere, and I think it's because London is such a big town, and Quinns has captured the hearts of millions of people, or you know, rugby people. So it's cool living here. It really is, and um, to be part of a club based in the city is pretty special too. Want to talk to you a little bit more about? The rugby experiences opposed to the the city and country experiences mm. as well. You've obviously been involved in international coaching setups, club coaching setups. I think as fans, I've got an idea in my mind about what my best match day experience is. Um, a few good French away days are certainly right up there. And, and London Irish, at ho- uh, well, I say at home, it was away last season, but it felt like a home game. Um, what's the best you've encountered or, or what kind of memories really stick out in your mind from either your playing days or your coaching days as one of the the fixtures that will always feel extra special to you? Well, I was part of a New Zealand um, all-black side that toured South African Marty Six in the final test match in Johannesburg. Yeah. That was pretty special, probably because of the the mountain that the all-blacks had to climb. I wasn't playing that day. Uh, so I think um, the the it, it's often it's actually often the derbies. You talk about Quinns, London Irish. Uh, you talk about All Blacks, South Africa, in Johannesburg. 
I think those ones are the ones that, like, when I think about it, my my um, skin tingles, you know, the old spine tingles, yeah. thinking of just when you get two really um, staunch fans uh, that come together and the, the rugby comes goes to another level because of the the, the rivalry. So, uh, and, and, and for me, like, I'm a, I'm a Canterbury boy. Uh, my dad's from Christchurch, mum's from Fiji. So I grew up in Christchurch. And a Canterbury Auckland match in New Zealand is 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 one of the most ferocious derbies oh, yeah. in on the New Zealand calendar. And being involved in some of those battles was as a player amazing. And then as a coach, pretty pretty spine tingling as well. But but to be fair, coming here, being involved in one of the big games, and actually every game in the stoop, and I'm not saying that just because I'm I'm the head coach of, but we've got the best fans in the league. <laughs> we, we really do. We've got the best fans in the league. And no on liquids. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's not until you you go to something like the big game at Twickenham when they all come out at the same time and you're like, wow, this is the, these people are amazing. They clearly don't go to every game, but once a year they choose to put on the the quarters and, and come and support the team. And it is one of the most amazing sporting events that I've been involved with. So, uh, yeah, big game. Looking forward to that again this year. It's still always my favourite day of the calendar, big game. Like, you love it, don't like, you? It's honestly, it's better than Christmas. It's the kind of forward to, especially like you know, you get through the end bit of work, you get you get your Christmas holidays, and you go through the formalities of the twenty third, the twenty second, all that sort of stuff. Christmas Day comes and goes, and you go right here. We go twenty seventh. Like, let's absolutely rip into it. I absolutely love it. It's rugby Christmas. It is rugby Christmas. It's so so good. Um, Maybe big game doesn't quite compare with Newcastle away, but that was our first game of the season <laughs> this year uh, for Kingston Park. Um, quite a lot of sort of different selection challenges that we haven't seen in the last probably year or so through um, people being involved internationally with England. So we had some some difficult selection calls to make, and also you will have seen everyone during pre-season. Um, one of the ones I was keen to ask you was George Head's uh, hooker. Obviously, Jack Walker, when we signed him last year, we mentioned it, I think, the week before, the growth that he went on from mm, not being yeah. a starter at Bath to then playing pretty much every single week, 80 minutes for us, and then getting his trip up, um, trip down to Australia with England. But George Head filling his shoes yesterday, what, what was sort of your take on him uh, through pre-season, through yesterday's game? Yeah. So George has been really impressive. Like, literally the first day of pre-season, he came in and he smashed everybody in the tight forwards and the fitness stuff. And so straight away, you're going, well... He's 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 taking us seriously, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and and I think George, uh, Jack Musk, uh, Jack Walker, Sam Riley, they probably play in the, they play as a stable of hookers in the closest group in the squad. So if you look at the midfielders and you look at other positions, loose forwards, it's kind of clear that the, the international players, um, the guys that are really um, in front of the others in terms of kind of selection priority yeah but at hooker even from the start of last year it wasn't clear who was going to be the starting the starting hooker i'd work with jack at, at bath but even even um having not seen him for four years we weren't sure like both uh jack and george and sam riley who um they were all vibing for the starting spot and in, in, in that spot so a uh, long story short they're really close in there and how um how tough selection is every week and George has just had a really good preseason, so he he absolutely deserved the uh, the opportunity to to stick his foot forward, and, and he did he did yesterday. So 
But he went well, didn't he? Managed to score a try. Um, yeah. And of course, the, the depth you say there is, is also quite youthful, which is exciting for us as a club. I think you look at the likes of Joe Marler coming through our academy, the the, mm. the importance of having strong strong academy output from your front row is is almost invaluable. So to have that many hookers coming through is, is really impressive. But I think another area which is a really good aspect for the club is that partnership with Scottish. You've still got Sam Riley playing 60 to 80 minutes most weeks, even when he's not with the club. And you can flip that on its head next week if you were to select him instead of George Head. He'd likely go and play for Scottish. So it's good to see that even though they're not in the Quinn setup week in, week out, they're still getting that regular game time, which you look at other clubs, I'm not sure their academy products are getting those minutes. So it just means you're always able to call upon them, which I think is really important. Mm. Another position, and I guess it wasn't, a position, I guess it was a combination that we were interested by was Kenningham at six and, and Lorde at seven when over the past 12 months we tend to see them the other way around. So what's kind of your, your thinking in that area? I know we've we're blessed now to have both Kenners and Webb fully fit and ready and, and competing for that seven shirt. Do you kind of see Kenners molding into the six a little bit more just to get those players on the park at the same time? Or is there a different kind of insight that, that you'd share with us? No, that's pretty much it. And one thing I would say is, like, when you have a look at the world-class loose forwards, they often play multiple positions, and like a Nardi mm-hmm. Severe or, like, he can play all three really competently. Yeah. What, what I suppose what Jack gives is is um, his his probably difference between all the others is that is the line-out ability. So he's really one of our best exponents at the, at the line-out. So, but but it is just a number on the shirt, so he could definitely play seven. And we did talk about just changing the numbers on the shirts, but um, there is this competition in there, isn't there? When you have when you have flexibility too, so the combination of the three is is different depending on the opposition. So um, and, and Tommy Lorde, who's been probably one of the unsung heroes for me, yeah, has, for sure. has just been phenomenal in his ability. Like he you know he captained at the tail end of the Leinster game, yeah. which shows you how. High we uh, regard him. Yeah, but he's a classy player, isn't he, right. Tom Lorde? Yeah, really yeah. classy. He makes he makes other people play better. Yeah, I think it's one of those un unseen things that actually, when certain players go into a unit, actually the other people play well, and that's often hard to measure and hard to gauge. But he, he's mm. one of those guys. Another sort of little thing I want to touch on there. You mentioned the captaincy, and obviously, you know, I love hearing the fact that people rate players in that leadership aspect so highly though people like Tom Lorde across the course of the season Jack Walker was captain at times across mm. the course last season as well but in in Stefan's absence at the minute obviously the man that is wearing the armband is is Alex Dombrandt and I had a little bit of um a sort of nervous feeling around him coming into the season coming off the back of that knee injury that he had and obviously he missed out on on heavy England strapping. before yeah a lot of heavy strapping sort of in that lens again that we noticed and obviously he was unlucky to miss out because of that injury um, missed out on the England tour over the summer, but you've obviously now worked with him for a year. We've seen him for sort of two, three, four years. Just how good do you think this guy can be? Because every time I watch him, and almost every time that we see him play well the next week and the next week and the next week, it just seems like he can get so much better than what he already is. Yeah, well, he, I think he's got some unique attributes, and I think that's probably the first thing that separates him from a lot of the loose forwards in the UK. So, you know, he grew up playing cricket. And um, just a heads up, when I was at Bath, I tried to recruit him to Bath. I went and watched oh, the really? Archers. Really? I went to watch the Cardiff Archers, um, yeah. Cardiff Met Archers play three times live. And I, I hit him up after the third one. And what he brings is, you know, he grew up playing cricket. He's got beautiful hands. He picked up a ball on the, 
he picked up a ball um, even yesterday that's just, you know, someone who's got a unique skill set can do that. His ability to run lines. Um, he's a big rig. Yeah. He's a big rig and he's an athlete. So um, can he get better? Absolutely he can. And there's parts of this game that um, he's just slowly chipping away at that absolutely mean that he could be an international dominant, you know, loose forward. Um, and I think that's his goal. You know, the beauty of that is his silver lining was he didn't go on the summer tour and he, he got to kind of ponder and have a bit of a break, mental break. And then, I don't know if you saw him yesterday, but yesterday he was smashing yeah. into the defence. He looks and, angry, um, Tabs. He looks angry. <laughs> there's, an, there's a new side to him. We've we've been lucky enough to have a few chats with him pitch side and um, see him on the various away trips. And he's a lovely, lovely guy. Always got time for the fans and always got a smile on his face. But there's something about him this year. He, he's got the bit between his teeth. He seems determined. Yeah. I imagine he's frustrated because of his injury. I, I know there's more competition in the league this year with obviously Billy V's playing well with Saracen. Zach Mercer's just come back to Gloucester. He looks angry. It's a new uncompromising Dommers that we're seeing. Is that something you picked up in training? Is there anything different about him or is, is this just him putting his mark on the pitch now? Yeah, he, he absolutely is. I think one of the great things about winning the title two years ago and then being humbled in the semi-final mm. is a, a lot of players like him. He's a he's a quiet guy, um, and guys like him have got a real resolve. Like one, he wants to become the best player he can be, but also, you know, he he knows that we could have we could have done better, and he wants better for us. And so, I think one of the things you probably saw yesterday is a, is a person that's wanting to lift the group take our team to another level because two things, you know, he's, um, he's aspirational, but also um, uh, he wants to, he wants to make the group better, if you know what I mean? So um, yeah, I think yesterday is a glimpse of what he was, he's going to do this season. He, um, he was scheduled for 50 minutes. We talked to him, talked to him before the game. And then when uh, Lorde went down, he was like, Oh no, no, <laughs> He hit a guts out 80 and he was phenomenal. <laughs> well, he got his try in the last few, didn't he? So well, he's he's one of these guys that actually plays better when he plays, and he just he trojans out 80 minutes like mm. Tyrone Green and yeah. Andre. These guys that can just tune out 80 minutes and um they're actually critical for your excess because you just you completely rely on Dom as being on the field for that that whole period and as you said like in often in the dying moments of a game something special comes out because of those unique characteristics he has i remember i think it was castro at home last year when he scored that try in front of the sticks and we had that oh, massive yeah. tmo review going on for about five minutes and yeah i just remember seeing him go put the ball in my hand and i'm gonna i'm gonna find a way to go over the line i yeah. remember being in the south stand that day that was wicked yeah um, special, isn't it just finishing up on, on the game from yesterday then there was a couple of um i, I guess sort of slightly not quite as sharp as we would have liked moments after they scored two breakaway tries. Adam Radwan has got some pretty yes, terrifying yeah. pace down that right-hand side. And then obviously um, Nathan L picks up a loose ball as well. Little things that obviously will, will fix as, as the course of the season you know, progresses. But what was your overriding emotion after the game? Was it just, you know, happy to get the job done, five points straight away? Or was there things that you were a little bit more concerned about given the fact that we were still a little bit not quite as sharp as we, we could have been? Yeah, I, yeah, I think because we were we were um, we were behind with you know minutes to go in the game, and I think that's always a, a little bit um, 
not disappointing, but I, I, okay, it was disappointing because we missed opportunities early in the game. And you were right, the, the red one tried, like he has got jet shoes for sure. And then Nathan Earl was at like a, a bobble of the ball that goes the length of the field. So you kind of, you, you, you give them that. Um, but the bits and pieces that we've been working on all preseason, like the more defence and um, trying to be a little bit more direct, you know, that, that's going to be a work on probably for the first month as our team, you know, gets to... I think the other thing is as our team becomes match fit, that's that's probably the other piece in the puzzle. You mentioned London Scottish earlier, mm. and they're actually a critical piece of, of that puzzle as well. So I think becoming match fit and gaining that cohesion, but ultimately... Um, and we play series this this week week at home. And sorry to jump ahead, but you, you can't you can't give the top teams um, a moment like that because they definitely take them. And so for us, it, it probably showed you we were off the ball, and that won't be good enough against series. So um, I don't know if I've answered that question, Michael. Yeah, you did answer it, Tabs. <laughs> so moving on to the next agenda point, the the state of the squad. We had a good conversation last week about the the outgoings and the incomings and, and how obviously balancing the salary cap, there's been more departing than there has been coming in. Um, we've also got a couple of injuries. I don't know if you're able to shed any light on them, but Lewis Liner, a key key member of our squad we haven't seen at all in, in pre-season. And obviously the big man, Steph, who we had a little chat with in Montpellier, went under the knife, I think, and had an operation mm-hmm. over summer. How are those two getting on? And are there any other players that you're able to update us on um, injury-wise? Yeah, so Lewis is not far away. So he was he was training last week and he's um I think he's doing contact this week. So he's he's a couple of weeks away. And Steph, we're kind of waiting and seeing. He had that surgery. And I think always with surgeries that you're not sure of, he had a little bit of a setback. So he's probably going to be a, a couple of weeks longer than anticipated. But mm-hmm. it's it's one of those ones I, I I sometimes and I try and take an optimistic view on guys who come back a little bit later. They often come back a little bit more rejuvenated, and it's a bit like the cavalry coming over the hill. So, you know, La Lewis Liner will be available for selection, kind of rolling into the uh, like the Exeter week, okay, and stuff like that. And that 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 actually th- those are the things throughout the year that invigorate the group. Not that you're wanting players to get injured, but often their yeah. return from injury is a is a real rejuvenator for the squad because you've got this voice back in that's just jumping out of the skin to play, um, and those two in particular. Uh, and we've got like the likes of Aaron Morris was fully training this week. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's a few lads kind of coming back online, uh, which is which is really it's it's like the ebbs and flow of the season, and it often goes with the healthier roster. So we're we're in pretty good spirits. We didn't break too many yesterday, and um, and I think with the Prem Cup coming up, if we can get through the first four weeks of the Premiership a little bit unscathed, our, our season will go wash, and that's that's kind of the one of the focus points I've got as a coach as well. I love you, where you talk about the cavalry coming over the hill. I remember yeah. when uh, Webb when Webb came back from injury last year, it was almost like having a brand new signing. Yeah, and it, it totally feel the same. was. And it will feel the same a little bit with with Kenningham coming back this year, and when yeah. Steph comes back, it almost does feel like a completely new player to, in addition to the squad that we've we've not seen. But you know, specifically talking now about those new signings, only mm. two, both in the second row with with Big Ernie and Charlie Matthews. Ernie is 28 years old, I think I'm led to believe. That I don't believe. I don't believe you. The bloke is nearly 50. He is <laughs> 28. But he looks enormous and pretty scary. And obviously, we know a lot about Charlie Matthews from his time at the club previously. How are those two guys settling into the squad? Yeah, really well. Like, I think that's a critical thing. And probably one of the things I love about the squad is, or this club, 
is when people come in, they they feel like they belong really soon. And it's, you know, Andy Sanger, our well-being guy, and the players in general, and our our manager and our and our staff just make people feel at home as quickly as they can. And that's really important in high performance sport because if they don't feel like they belong, it takes them longer to get into it. So Charlie Matthews, we know and we know him really well. And him, you know, I'm not putting words in his mouth, but like it feels like a bit of a homecoming for him. Like yeah. he started off here and for him to come back and play in the jersey that he loves is is fantastic. We lost two locks in the offseason. So both of those are critical for our our pack to function and our season to go well. Erne, I'm not going to jump on his age bandwagon <laughs> because I think you're asking for trouble. <laughs> he will he will track you down. What a gentleman. Um and the same thing, he's got a couple of really close mates here in the, in the squad. Uh, we had a, a jersey presentation on Friday night before he played his first competitive game. And he he's 28, um, but he's really excited about re, reinvigorating his rugby, about coming here and learning. Um, we play differently here, and he's watched from afar going, mm. wouldn't it be fun playing in a team like that? Oh, great. And, and the way he... The way he carried himself yesterday he was having a lot of fun and doing a lot of the dark stuff that needs to be done for a team to shine and for the Nick Davids to go the length of the field and um and so he's he's a critical signing as well yeah we're excited about Ernie aren't we we've not Mm. seen too much of him given the league that he's come from isn't one we haven't typically followed too closely in the past but he seems to have hit the ground running which I think is a credit to, to what goes on behind the scenes that that we don't see as fans um, one area that we spoke about with Sam Lana on last week's podcast in terms of signings was 12, given how important Andre was last season, played 80 minutes almost every week. I think he might have played every minute, actually, um, or certainly close to it. Um, and we were debating, was 12 an area we needed to look to strengthen him? But actually, you look at the likes of Lennox and how he performed yesterday. I thought that was a real, real positive performance for himself. And and he spent a lot of time on loan at Richmond last season. And that kind of segues on to, to what I want to talk about next in terms of the squad, which is the academy. And we've got a lot of academy lads named in our in our squad for the season um, that went out on social a couple of weeks back. That relationship with Scottish is obviously in place. How does that work in terms of integrating them with the first team? Do they train with you week in, week out, and then and then jet off to Scottish for match days on the weekend? Or how does that process yeah. work and, and how effective do you think it is? So that 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 relationship is 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 critical for our success this year. So I, I won't bore you, but like un, underpinning a lot of the the premiership rugby is actually how do we sorry, failures is how do we get more game time into players that aren't in the first team? If you're the third string hooker, if you're the third string halfback, you you might go months and months without getting any game time. And so it's a really difficult one. So that relationship with Scottish, Scottish is so mutually beneficial. And for us to have, a, a, a you know, Joe Gray in there, pretty much a Quinn's yeah. coach, yeah. plus um, a big chunk of guys who are going to go on to be, you know, stalwarts of uh, of Quinns is really important. So, so when Finn, Sam Riley, and 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 Hobson come back as a unit, they're going to be they would have played games together. Clearly, they're going to be matched fit and all those things. Uh, so when they step into the breach when required, they're going to be sharper. They're going to be, you know, they're playing similar system to us. The calls are similar. So it's a really important part of the puzzle. Um, and I think for all of our academy guys, that will be a really important stepping stone, you know, for their future moving forward. So, yeah, couldn't probably could we probably 
really understate how important that relationship is. Laurie mentioned it in his um, sort of end of season address last year that, you know, I think I, I might be plucking this out of thin air, but I think the, the general figure was sort of somewhere between 60 and 70% of the squad um, going forward has to be, or well, aim to be academy transitions. How much do you guys as the senior coaching staff see of that development, you know, from guys that maybe now playing in under 18s, for example, do you watch much of that and see them during the week and spend a bit of time around them and earmark them and go, do you know what? These are guys who in two or three years are going to be huge, sort of huge deals for us. Yeah, I think there's two things there. One is just the mentality to say we will promote from within. So that's the first thing. I had, I, I have, I have no doubts that all our guys, like Lenny, for example, who's played at 12, and all of the guys that you're seeing probably for the first time in the first team, I had no doubts last year that they were going to do a really good job. The, the like Lenny's mindset, for example, his athleticism, but his his um his desire to get the detail right and to be within our system is is phenomenal. So he was always going to be a success story as Ken is, as as Lewis. So I think that's probably the first thing is um the mandate which I agree with around being homegrown is actually a really critical part of us becoming better as a club. Like we want our marquee players to be Englishmen, mm. to come from from Surrey and from you know from from London, and I, I love, I actually love that challenge. It was one of the reasons I took on the challenge, the, the idea that we're a genuinely a community team. And I think um, Singer told me his first three and a half years at Quinns, 117 players have come and gone. Wow. So, so, so do the maths on that. So for us, this first year where um, we have we have two signings and everybody else is promoted from within, is actually a really important part of being sustainable. Mm. Which which I love because then it put, puts the pressure on the coaches to be more developmental. Yeah. I remember as well. I remember like, I mean, I, from a teaching background myself, I love the 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 um, the thought process of being sort of developmental rather than just sort of getting people in willy nilly and changing things all the time to try and get immediate fixes. I love that approach to it, and I love the fact you then mentioned that we want our big stars to be with England. You know, we we go back seven, eight, nine years ago. Rob Shaw, Marla, Brown, Care, mm. Easter, that sort of through line. And we've mentioned it a lot on this podcast. Yeah. We're now seeing that sort of redevelop. Marcus, Dommers, Marchant, yeah. Liner, yeah. Merley, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully that oh, then becomes... You're on the Merley bandwagon. Good oh, stuff. Joe, I'm, he's... On I'm on it. We spoke to Brownie <laughs> last, last year on the pod, and Brownie said that he is one person that he is surprised hasn't seen England yet. And my housemate that I go with every week, he is he's Caden Merley, like, Big time fan. He's like he's my yeah. favorite player. I love him. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're big time on the Caden. He, he was good again yesterday. His, his yeah. high ball work yesterday was phenomenal. Sorry, but he's a freakishly like nuggety defender. I, I've never ever seen him miss a tackle because he defends on that left wing, which is right where I sat in front of a lot of the time last year. And defensively, he was incredible last year. And the thing you got to to remember about being a winger in this league and and being a, a good defender. Is he's marking Nandolo one week, yeah. Red one the next week. Yeah. He's marking Rendrabra, who's you know, like it's hard to be a good defender in this league when you're when you're out on the edges. So I think we um we all really love that part of his game. Um that he's a you as you phrase it, a nuggety defender. He is exactly <laughs> that. I can imagine there are a few wingers across the league that Took a big sort of sigh of relief when Nadolo sort of left the Premiership this year. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, what free! I remember him playing as well when we played down at, um, at Brentford last year against London Irish, and Ollie Hustle Collins had a very very quiet game, and Caden was excellent. So hearing that 
next time just us blowing his trumpet, but the rest of the rest of the coaches were yeah. doing it as well. That's yeah. wicked. That's so good to hear. We were getting on the Academy early band. Academy right? lads, yeah. Oh, Academy lads, yeah. Like we, like when Marcus and Danny were out in Australia playing, like you feel really proud that they're Queenslands. Mm. Um, and I think, and when Wacker, you know, he didn't play, but you're just really proud that actually what we do during the year actually promotes these individuals forwards. It complicates things for us, but but ultimately it's a, it's a sign that your club is is doing well which is really important. Yeah, nice problem to have, isn't it? And I suppose it also gives opportunities to the younger lads. And as you say, there's a developmental approach in the squad anyway with coaches and players. It actually gives opportunities. So it's it's a nice problem to have. Um, And actually, as we look ahead to this season, that brings us on to the next agenda point, which is kind of season expectations or aspirations. Last season... Um, we were very much set on let's just get to top four and, and we'll we'll see what happens from there. And I actually read a really good article with Alex Dombrandt the other day saying, actually, there was probably more value in getting the top two and get one of those home semifinals. And, and perhaps the, the psychology of getting to top four meant that when we did get there, we almost became not complacent because he didn't use that word, but it almost felt like that was a, a tick against the objective. How are you plotting out your goals and objectives this year are you putting titles against what you want to achieve or is it very much game by game let's see how far we can get we want to win every match we play or is there a sort of bigger conversation that happens with Laurie we want to get to the x stage of Europe knockouts for example um how do you kind of approach this season given it's your second season now and and where we got to last year yeah, I think that one's often. It's really important that that's a that's a roster conversation. Uh, I've been in places, players where you know the DOR or the head coach said this is where we're going to finish, but ultimately the players will will drag the team up the ladder or down the ladder. And so, mm. you know, that that interview that Dommers had around having higher expectations, you, you can see that in his, you saw that in his play yesterday. He's got higher expectations, and that's driving his day to day. That is so important. Um, and complacence not definitely yeah, complacence is not the right right word but like when we reviewed last year ultimately everything came down to that semi-final that we we went we didn't we didn't have a good game in it and I think that's the that's been the the, the pebble underneath the, the beach mat is it's been like we just didn't play a good game on the day that it mattered mm. And so that's that's kind of been a focal point around how do we ensure we win the big games that matter. And so the whole season, I think, you know, Domas is saying, well, two things. If you have a home semi-final, are you more likely to win a game? Yes. And so there's that as well. Winning a home having a home semi-final, being consistent, more consistent through the year. So when you get to those games, you can bring your best games to the front, you know, easier more consistently. And I think that's a good sign for the squad that that's the, that's the direction they want to go in because that's actually the, that's actually the chore of the the English premiership, the the length of the season. Yeah. That working on your craft day in, day out when actually it's not, it's not, the sun's not shining and, you know, things are going against you and you're sore. So um, I haven't asked your question at all. It's like a classic media smoke and mirrors. <laughs> that was so <laughs> well played, <tips. laughs> A very PR answer, but we'll take it. We'll take it. I, I um, I can actually respect that a lot. I don't think we wanted to hear an answer, really, did we, Mike? We just wanted to. Yeah, hear- 
it's, it's strange if you sort of turn around and said no with anything and then sort of finishing the top two is a failure and if we don't make it to the semi-final of Europe's a failure then we'd have it's gone not, yeah it's not binary is it it's not oh, black or white yeah. no one no. thing I do want to mention though is, is Europe and we, we speak about you know the European trips a lot I mean we we both did Montpellier together last year for the first time yeah although the first half wasn't fantastic we dragged it back in the second half and as the weekend was fantastic and Will did Castro with with quite a few people as well do you put much of a I know the club had a big thing last year, you know, in terms of if we can get through Europe, we might get, you know, another another game at the stoop and you know, the revenue that brings and all that. And that home game we had against Montpellier was one of my favourite moments of last season. Yeah, even though we felt even though we ultimately fell a point short. Those European trips are so wicked for, for us to go and we're already looking at the Paris stuff and all that, you know, how can we yeah. get there and are we gonna go on the Eurostar and all that sort of stuff. But having been close to going to what was the pointy end of the knockout stages in Europe last year, but also ultimately falling short, like you say, on, on the day in a Premiership semi-final. How much, I guess, you know, weight do you put into those big Euro- European contests? Is it we want to get through the groups and then just we want to be massively involved in playing knockout rugby? Or again, is it a bit more of a, you know what, let's just see how we get to and where we get to as the weeks go by? Yeah, I think if you if you want to be successful in in any in any league, whether you want to win Europe or you want to win the Premiership, being able to play consistently well is is a really important piece for that. So, um, I think the expectations this year will, will be determined by how we're going that month. It, it, yeah. it, and, and it sounds really um, like I'm sitting on the fence. I, put it this way: when, when when we play in Montpellier, we clearly had a really poor first half. We came back and and made a game of it, but basically we didn't go through to the quarterfinals because. We, we played so poorly in that first half away. But what what one of the things you got to look at is they came to the stoop the following week. They made 13 changes yeah, yeah. and they still had 50 test caps on the field. Mm. And so I think the difference between um, Europe and fundamentally the French clubs uh, and, and the English Premiership is they're operating in a different league. And depending on who you play, they will throw everything at so so it becomes one of those managing acts where they really want to win it. And we are like, if we're battling in the league, we've got a lot of injuries, do we risk people who are dinged up in a um in, in a European game? The answer would probably be no at this stage. Yeah. Um look, I'm talking about the opening match. We go to Durban. I was about to say, first, yeah, that's yeah. that's gonna be an all-new challenge altogether, isn't it? You know, yeah. how many times does a club side do people travel to South Africa well, for a yeah. weekend game? Yeah. Six weeks, seven week tours, maybe, but not for a weekend. I haven't even looked at the fixtures either side as well. I'm not sure who we've got before and who we've got after, but it's like a game of chess, isn't it? Really? You've got to put your pieces in the right places and you've got to sort of go up to sixty thousand feet in the air and have that sky view of everything else going on. So it's Yeah, exactly. Tricky so one. it's it's well, you, we, we, you always you always plan for the worst and, and hope for the best, and and when we close in on that European that European time, um, you know we're rolling out of the Six Nations as well, not Six Nations, the Autumn Series. Yeah. And so, what are our English players doing or not doing um, becomes an important part. The, the Sharks in Durban have recruited ridiculously in the off season. They've pretty much got a str- the um the Springboks team um, or Springbok A. Well, so we're really we're, we're really we'll excited see. about that. We're excited about seeing Lacanio Am against Joe March and, and the return oh, of Tapawai yeah, to the stoop yeah, and yeah. Khaleesi yeah, up right. against Kenners or Webb or yeah, something. Yeah, Khaleesi versus Kenners. What a matchup. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. 
excited to have them at the stoop and as you say going out to durban is going to be a totally unique experience that none of them yeah. have experienced before so um well apart from marcus with the light I, um, I do i do love the fact that the english premiership is the toughest league in the world because it's so close and then and then you get this amazing opportunity for a couple of fortnights where you go out and this year it's south africa but paris and i think that is it's a, like me as a rugby fan it's awesome yeah. It really is awesome to be able to go to Paris for a game, to watch Harlequins play, and then you know come back and see eight or nine Springboks rolling into the stoop to play uh, in, the, in the Sharks jersey. It's going to be a pretty cool year. Hundred percent. I'm really looking forward to. I mean, we're we we're looking at Paris now, and we're saying, right, how can we get there? All that sort of stuff. I think Durban might be a stretch too far, unfortunately yeah. for us, but I'd love to do it. But yeah, getting those European games back at the stoop is something I'm hugely excited for. And then obviously, you know. The rest of the year, as the league progresses, it's taken a bit of a while to have, to have those thoughts again. It's been a long old summer and we ultimately fell short a little bit last year, but now we're, we're propping back into it. We'll have a very quick conversation about Saracens this weekend. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they've had a bye in the first week of the league yeah. this year um, and they had their Prem Cup game, I think, on Friday night cancelled as well. So they're probably a little bit, you know, not quite as, as fresh and might be a bit rusty. How are we shaping up? How do you see it going? Anything that you think maybe we'll see on a Saturday that we might or not expect, or is, is it just same Quins do what we do best and go out and try and win the game? Yeah, yeah. So you hope that they're underdone, but they, they know their game really well. And I think the team that they were going to roll out in the Prem Cup game was uh, certainly was wasn't best team. Certainly wasn't a typical Prem Cup side. A, though. It wasn't a development side. No. <laughs> and and so um, we you, one of the great things, and you tip your hat. You tip your hat to series because they they never they never they never get beaten. You know they lose matches, but they never get beaten. And so yeah. we have to be at our best next week. And I think I'm actually really excited by that challenge. We've had a good preseason. We've gone away and uh, and taken five points, and then we get to not not that we I'm not trying to make it a, a semi final rematch, but you play one of the top sides in the league that are a little bit underdone, but they know their game really well and they've got really good pros. You know, it, it, this will be our genuine test. Like, this will be – this is proper litmus paper, this one. And so I'm excited by that because if, you, if you're if you serious about finishing in the top two or, um, you know, having high aspirations, then these games are, right, let's, let's measure ourselves. As, uh, as Ernie had the Hugh Tizard face on the dartboard all week <laughs> practicing, is, is, is that yeah. – I think Joe will give that – He'll he'll give that Joe Marler will give that in the gym on, on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. It's it's rare you get such a big fixture as your your first home game of the season. So it's gonna yeah. be absolutely massive. The stoop's gonna be rocking. I was actually pleasantly surprised by the atmosphere at the stoop for the home game against Leinster in preseason. It's yeah. it's rare you get a turnout like that, and certainly to make the noise that we did. So Really looking forward to this one. I think that's where we'll leave it, Tabs. Thanks so much for joining us, mm. giving us your time on a Sunday. Really, really, really privileged and proud to have got you on the podcast. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Incredibly happy to have you in the role and, and can't wait to see what you do with the lads this season. So thank you for joining us and uh, go well this week. Yeah, thanks, Les. I really appreciate your time as well and uh, look forward to another great season. So thanks for all the other supporters as well. What's your what's your pint at the stoop? We owe you a pint. Yeah, we do. Oh, jeez, depends the, on the, the day. The Quinns, Am- the Quinns oh, Amateurs lads did. The Quinns Ams boys did say you enjoy Guinness. 
Yeah, yeah. That's because okay. it seems to be free there. <laughs> yeah, get down, to, get down to Hampton Work. They're very hospitable. Mate, it's a good place to be. That's where I play my cricket in the summer. Yeah. It's a good place to be. Maybe we'll get you down oh. for a game of cricket in the summer. Well, actually, I think that there's. Uh, I think I'm playing in the game this Sunday. Well, oh, yeah. this, this Sunday coming. Yeah, they've, they've got uh, the rugby club versus the cricket club. Are you playing? I've been asked. I've, I've, oh, I've brilliant. Yeah, yeah. We'll, well have I'll to get you down. down. I'll see you, see you down there on Sunday then, well, mate. I'll be coming off my long run-up for you. <laughs> Superb. After the Top celebrations man. of Saturday night, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Top Liz. man, Tabs. Cheers, buddy. Top man. Thank you, Tabs. How bloody lucky are we to have him at the helm of our club? What a man. That was so good. I mean, look, I mean, like, ever since he came in from last year, I was desperate to talk to him. We saw him and we've spoken about it all the time, you know, Stuff that the club puts out of him on social media, post-match interviews, general sort of clips that go around. He's so, so good. And, you know, Tabai, thank you so much for giving us your time. And he's pretty pumped for this weekend. How he's... are you feeling now that we've spoken to him? I feel, I feel good. There's something about speaking to Tabai or listening to Tabai that just puts me at ease. He's so composed and he's such a cool character, isn't he? Everything about him is really, really cool. Yeah. Always sees the bigger picture, always positive. He's just good energy, isn't he? So... I'm feeling good about this weekend. I think having one game, a premiership competitive fixture under your belt is going to be so important. And Saracens haven't had that yet. And we've had a real tough test. Going away to Newcastle, Kingston Park is never an easy game. It's it's a horrible travel job. Horrible plastic pitch. The horrible plastic pitch. It's a horrible <laughs> atmosphere. It's it's not the nicest part of the world. And we've gone up there and we've we've been tested, which I think is important as well. You don't want to roll anybody over in your first game like London yeah. Irish just did with Worcester. Um, I don't think you'll learn too much from that. So I think it's good that we've come out with learnings, but even more important that you look at the, the pure facts of it at the end of the day, plus five points, take them 40 points away from home. Thank you. Let's go back to our place. A raucous erupting stoop on a Saturday afternoon against the old enemy from North London. <laughs> we are London's club. There's an extra bit of spice to it this week now, isn't there? Um, so I'm feeling good about it. I think it's so difficult to predict when you haven't seen them play at all, but I think that will benefit us. I think we've come out unscathed from the weekend. So yeah, positive. Looking forward to it. It's going to be one of those match days that gives you goosebumps, isn't it? The atmosphere is going to be spine tingling. You know what? I think you're spot on as well about not not rolling someone over sort of week one, if you look at the other results in the league, you know, we had a proper battle. We were behind up until three, four, five minutes to go. Yeah. Irish Irish have rolled over Worcester, but Exeter beating Leicester by four points, Bristol beating Bath by two points. Yeah. It's been pretty close up on the Saturday and we'll see how the rest of the results exactly. come in. It just makes but... you think though, like actually if, if our game was so uncomfortable and we get a last sort of last couple of minutes to win the game, if you look at the, the bigger picture of the league, it's so, it's so competitive. Everybody's winning those tight games like that. Actually, whilst it'd be more comfortable to win by 10, 15 points, we're yeah. learning a lot and we're still getting the results. So I'm pleased with the outcome of last week and I'm I'm feeling quietly confident about this weekend. There's going to be an extra spice because of the whole London's club thing. We could score. <laughs> Obviously, they they put a bit of a beating on us in the semi-final last year after our triumph the year before. I think this is a real opportunity for us to lay down a marker, go two from two, beat last season's finalists, beat the old enemy, and then roll into the following week with a real, real amount of momentum. Let's talk sort of directly now about now about Saracens. Um, we were going to have... Well, Wacker was lifted on the bench on Saturday, but actually didn't play... Jack Musk came off the bench. So that's a little bit of a concern. 
The other small concern is Tom Lorde coming off in the first half. So we maybe assume that he won't be fully fit. Um, and then I suspect, might maybe harsh on, well, probably will be pretty harsh on Lenny, but I suspect that Joe Marcher will get a start on Saturday as well. So I've got a couple of questions for you, actually. And I'm now looking. Okay, let's do I'm it. Now, I'm now looking at the team that Saracens had up for their Prem Cup game against Northampton that got cancelled. And it was a pretty much stacked side. And one thing that I am going to ask you about now, given that Tom Lorde potentially has you know, taken a bit of a knock, might not be fully fit, may not be able to start or even play, they were going to line up for their Prem Cup game with Callum Hunter-Hill at four, Hugh Tizard at five, and Thea McFarland, who you know, we saw quite a lot last year at six big, tall, rangy open sides. Would you then go straight in with Kenners at six and Webb at seven, or would you try and balance that and maybe slot in a Dino Lamb at six, a bit like we had Steph there last year at times. Ooh, that's not the question I was expecting you to ask. I thought you were going to say James Chisholm. So that's an interesting one. Okay. Um, I definitely have Dino in the match day 23. Yeah. I think I'd stick with Ernie and, and Hamo in the second yeah. row. So he probably takes the bench spot for me, Dino, and he could always come on the pitch at six. But I think I go Cunningham, Evans, Dombrand. I just think... Yeah. There are three rock stars in the back row. They're the ones that are pushing for international selection and, and and those big caps, particularly in this year as we build up to a World Cup, get them on the pitch, put Dino on the bench. He can cover six and the second row. Probably have James Chisholm on the bench if Lorde is completely out of the 23. I think yeah. he's the type of character that could go toe-to-toe with McFarland. He's got a good turn of pace, Chiz. He can shift a bit. Big physical lad. Um, but I think... These kind of games, you want to look at wherever you want to look at Kenners as potential England back row players. They've got to play these and they've got to put their hand up. So let's go, lads. Show up. This is your chance. And happy with the back back line. No, I mean, I'm assuming that Joe Marchant's going to start against you know one of the best sides in the league. He's one of our best best players. So does does Northmore shift to twelve or does Lenny keep a spot? What do you reckon? Um, who wore twenty three this week? Marchant. Oh yeah, God. we had we had we had a six-two split. Uh, no, sorry, we didn't. We had a uh, twenty-two was with Edwards. Sorry, we had a five-two split. We had Stafford, Edwards, and Marchant on the bench as a, as a back. Five-three uh, split. Oh, God, that's yeah. tough because I think, of course, Marchant starts. But Lennox played so well, and we talked about it with Sam Lana last week. You want to start dropping academy products into your team. You've got to do it when they've got rock stars around them. Yeah. Lennox. Lennox and Yanwu, here's your chance, boy. Go go claim that shirt. Go have some fun. Like put him in at twelve, marching at thirteen. Northmore's a very, very handy player to have at twenty-three, given the positions he can cover. I think if yeah. Northmore starts at twelve, I don't play Lennox at twenty-three. He's not versatile enough. No, maybe not. Maybe not. Although you can, you know, Edwards can shift into that twenty-three shirt. It doesn't matter loads, I suppose. Uh, it's tough, really tough on what Lenny. Do, what, do you, what do you do, by the way? What are you doing? Oh, I, I think I'd have Northmore at twelve. Would you? Yeah, I just think I'm get back your at Lenny. You know? Yeah. I mean, look. Either way, I'm not that fussed, but I just think get your best players on the park. I mean, if I look at their sides, oh, they were sort of guessing and gambling from what they might do. They had Duncan Taylor at twelve and Lazowski at thirteen. I think I'd have Northmore. He's been in around that England setup. I can see in Northmore the- punching a lot of holes through those two, actually. Yeah, I don't I think... really see Lenny punching those holes, but he he did have a really good game, and I think if there's ever a time to blood him, it's at home, first game of the season at the stoop in front of at the stoop against Saracens when you've got March outside you, Tommy Allen, another international inside you, and you've got the variety and versatility of Luke Northmore off the bench. 
I don't know, mate. Yeah. But to be honest, yeah, I think we'll they're, they're both nice, both nice options. I'd, I'd take either. I wouldn't be um, disappointed with with either selection decision. Let's have a chat about the weekend then. What's what's our plan? Are we gonna? Yeah, are we gonna, go, we're gonna, go north, are we gonna get into the north stand? Is that gonna be? Re- we hope. We all we've heard is that it's gonna be re- gonna be ready to go. From what I hear. Well, I've got no plan Saturday. My plan is Saracens versus Harlequins, and I'm not about making it a three o'clock start. I'm happy to make it an eleven o'clock start or something. We'll get down, maybe have some nice lunch, go and visit I'm... the North Stand area, mingle around there, a few drinks, and then get in the South Stand, make some noise. I hope the Morgans sat in front of us are going to bring their drum with them. <laughs> yes, let's get on the boys. Get a bit, yeah, get a bit like we did at the away day last year in the semi-final, and make some noise and get a bit of passion injected into those around us and get the feet stamping get the boys all riled up oh it's gonna be a good day isn't it afterwards it we'll is. see what happens if we win we're having it if we don't we might, <laughs> still, we might still have it <laughs> well i've got i've actually got a pre-season game at 10 45 i was really nervous about this a couple of weeks ago because i thought oh no pre-season game is going to be a one o'clock start i'm going to sprint there having not showered and all that sort of stuff but luckily 10 45 start for, for some hockey so once that's done i can quickly dive in shower get myself home and then get down there asap and get in an all stand so maybe you can uh come over and watch me charge around at centre-back playing hockey for a little bit in the morning, but we'll what's, see. Uh, what's your arrival time at the Stoop then? Oh, normal normal time. I don't know. Uh, what's that? One, one o'clock possible? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. brilliant. Well, that gives us two hours of indulging and, and getting excited. I'd love to welcome the boys in, actually, like we did in the yeah. final. That's a really and they'll be coming, And they'll be coming through that little North Stand pal, won't yeah. they? The, yeah, let's, get to the, yeah let's do that. Let's get to the North Stand, welcome them in, make some noise, yeah. get them all G'd up. Um, I actually, side note, I actually saw a really nice gesture of the London Irish fans making a tunnel for the Worcester players and clapping them in. Yeah, I did see that, game. yeah. I'd love to do that for them when they come to our place. I think that was a really classy yeah. touch and, and fair play. Unfortunately, they got rolled over fairly convincingly. Maybe, but um, Maybe we'll leave the guard of honour for the Saris lads on Sunday, but uh, on Saturday, <laughs> so we'll see. Anyway, this has been so much fun. Look, we've had Tabba Matson on, someone who we wanted to talk to for ages. It was wicked, and we are absolutely buzzing for Saturday. It's going to be class. First home game of the season. First big action at the Stoop. Get into that North Stand bar. We will see you all there. Mate, looking forward to seeing you on Saturday. Come on, let's, let's have it. Let's do them. London's club. Come on, you queens. Go on. Yeah.